You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. Hold up your Bibles. This is God's Word. Amen? You love God's Word. You cherish His Word. This is, this is life. This is not a book of do's and don'ts. It's about life and liberty. It's an instruction manual for you to live long, healthy, and happy in His will. Amen? It's not a hammer. It's a love letter. Amen? All right. Turn with me into your word, into the Bible, book of James. James chapter 1. As you're turning to the book of James chapter 1, I'm going to uh, uh, bring you back to remembrance uh, a verse that we've been targeting since January 1, the first of this year. It says, Where there is no revelation or no vision, the people cast off restraints. And uh, what we've been talking about that during, during this season of time is that even though the Bible says that without a vision or without a revelation, people cast off restraints, we can turn that around and say that the Bible also says that people with a vision bring on restraints. People with a revelation will bring on restraints. If you don't have restraints, that means you don't have a vision or revelation. So if you, bring on, if you have a vision and have revelation, you bring on restraints. Uh, the next verse goes on and talks about a slave that, uh, that he, he won't really, even though he understands the language and the instructions, it really won't be his because he doesn't have revelation. See, when you hear the word, it's not about in, uh, information. A lot of times when we go to church, it's about gathering of intellect. It's about learning the scriptures. Listen, going to church should not be about learning scriptures. It should be about receiving revelation of scriptures. There's a lot of people that have in, information about the word up here, but they don't have the revelation of the word in here. This is what makes the difference. Having it in here is what's changing your life. Having it in here is what's going to bring a transformation. The scripture says, hide the word in your heart. We're made up of three parts. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. When you get born again, you're, you're literally born again. Your nature's changed. You're, it's, it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in you. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint that has a sin problem. And I know that sounds a little funny, but you're, if you identify yourself as a sinner, what's the most natural thing for a sinner to do? Well, I thought that's why we got born again. Our nature was changed. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. He is my father, and I am his son. I am my daddy's child. I identify with my Father God, and that gives me... See, the most natural thing for a sinner to do is sin, so what is the most natural thing for a righteous person to do? Be righteous. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It should be the easiest and natural, natural flow for righteousness and holiness to come forth from you because you're identifying with who your Father is, the family that you're tied in with. Frank's been talking about the DNA of God that you literally have, just like you have DNA in your family. 
You know, I, I, I look like my father. My brother looks like me. Thank God nobody looks like my uncle. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But, but, but see, we, that's because we all have the same, we have DNA alike. Well, that's in the natural, but you have spiritual DNA. In the realm of the Spirit, you are of your Father God. Amen? Now, the Scripture says, people without a vision cast off restraints. And we turn that around. It says, people with a vision bring them on. Now, when I point back here in the back, I'm personally looking at the very top in the back corner of the building, but there's nothing back there. You don't have to turn around and look. That's just my point of focus. And when I go like that, what I'm talking about is that spiritual vision, that spiritual revelation, the spiritual picture that we are to walk in. You know, if you ha- see, if you see yourself in the natural, you're just going to be like you are in the natural. If you see yourself in the spirit, you'll be like you are in the spirit. Now, see, if you have a clear mental picture of who your father is and what family you belong in, you will bring on the restraints that keep you walking like you're supposed to walk. You know, we're going to read some scriptures here in a second. You know, it talks about being a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And it says that person, matter of fact, it's in the book of James also, it says that don't think that that person receive anything from the Lord. It's not that the Lord hasn't given. You know, I, I, I was reading the scripture this morning and I kept seeing my brother throw, uh, the, the, my brother has, Clayton has a, a baseball family, if I call it that. You know, they, they have lived in the, the, the realm of baseball and I still see him throwing the baseball to his son Logan and Logan catching the ball. I mean, that was the picture I got this morning reading this verse. And how many people know that if, if you uh, are double vision, it's hard to catch a baseball? What, what do you tell somebody when they're just learning how to catch a baseball? Keep your on the... What happens if one eye goes that way and one eye goes that way? You have what? Double vision. Which ball do you go after? See, a double-minded man is unstable and says, don't let him think that he will receive anything of the Lord. It doesn't mean that the Lord's not throwing the ball. See, God's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. The promises are yes and amen. They're already ours, but the problem is we have a double mind. We got different pictures we're looking at we're focused on different things instead of the one thing and because we are not single-minded and single focused we're not living in what the realm of the kingdom god wants us to live in it's really a simple uh, a simple thing but the scripture says people with the vision they'll bring on restraints you'll bring you'll you'll stop doing the things that don't look like that vision and you'll bring on the things that do look, look like that vision my uncle uh, uh uncle don here he was he wanted to be a fireman one day and so he he, he decided to to go to fireman school and because he wanted to be a fireman he stopped doing the things that firemen don't do and he started doing the things that firemen do do. You know what I'm saying? That there's things that they do, there's things that they learn, and he didn't, I'm sure he didn't like the schooling and things like that, but he put himself through a program that caused him to become what he was seeing himself to be like. 
Do you understand that? Amen. See, he was willing to bring himself into a, to a place of restraint. Okay, I can't do that no more. I've got, if I'm going to reach my goal, I've got to quit doing that. I've got to prepare. I've got to exercise. I've got to learn some things I've never learned before. I've got to do some things I've never done before. Because I want to go toward the vision I have you know, in his heart. And see, that has to be something in your heart. And it works the same way, same thing within the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And all of its righteousness. And see, that needs to be our focus. That needs to be our foremost focus in life is seeking first the kingdom of heaven. All right, in the book of James, we're going to start with uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, I, th- I believe, verse 16. We're really going to start with verse 19, but it says, So then, but if you don't know what so then's talking about, it really doesn't help you. So we're going to go back up to uh, uh, verse 16, and uh, right before that it's talking about uh, don't, you know, about being tempted and, and sin. And, and you know, everybody knows sin. Everybody go, uh, when I say sin's bad, go boo. Sin's bad. Boo. We know sin's bad. Okay, so that's not the issue here necessarily. But here is the encouragement over sin being bad. Okay? That's good. I like that. Crowd participation. Do not deceive. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift uh, is from above and comes from the Father of lights, who, uh, which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now listen to this. This is really cool. Of His own will, He brought us forth. Wait a minute. It just talked about every good gift and every perfect gift is from... And then it starts talking about you. The very next verse. After it talks about every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father from above. And then it starts talking about you. You need to see yourself as a good and perfect gift from God. Most of us still see ourselves wallowing in our sin. We identify ourselves by our outside. You know, I, I, I tell you what, it's, the hard, it's one of the hardest things I've, to get people to flip their mind from, well, if I sin, I'm a sinner. If I, listen, the sin, your outside doesn't make you who you are on the inside. That's the way the world system works. That's the way self-righteousness works. That's the way religion works. You are not who you are. Yeah, what makes you on the inside is not what you do on the outside. What you are on the inside should determine what you do on the outside. Jesus said Himself, out of, a, out of a good well springs forth good water. The water doesn't determine the well. The well determines the water. See, out of you, if, you're God, if you see yourself as a king's kid on the inside, king's kids will come out on the outside. You'll do the things king kids do. I've shared this story before, but I remember when Christopher, walking through the grocery store, sitting in a little feet, you know, that's when he was about that big, sitting with his little feet, and I'm pushing the cart. I look down, he's got caramel just dripping out of his mouth. He's just like, you know, this caramel, we'd just gone, we're in the grocery store, and we, I look back, and... 
we just passed the bulk bins. You know, they used to have candy in the big barrels like this, you know. And I guess I got a little close, and he just went like this. And I looked down, he had caramels in his hands. He had caramels in his mouth. You know, Joy was over there shopping, of course. I wasn't, you know, taking care of the kids very well. But we won't go there. He raised up okay. And, and I looked at him. I said, Christopher, where'd you get those caramels? And he and I said, I knew where he got them. He looked at me like, oops. And I said, Christopher, you're a coker. And cokers don't steal. To this day, I've never seen him steal caramels <laughs> or anything else that I know of. But, but once he got his identity and who he was, most people are just searching for who they are, their identity. We need to be affirmed in who we are. You're not your old man anymore. You were born again. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. In the realm of the Spirit, that's why Jesus said to repent. Repenting doesn't mean stop what you're doing on the outside. It means change the way you think on the inside so you can stop what you're doing on the outside. You can't stop what you're doing on the outside without changing the way you are on the inside. You can't do it. Period. Quit trying. The secret to living a, a happy and a peaceful Christian life and being effective for the kingdom of heaven on this earth is knowing who you are on the inside and then operating from the perspective of the clear mental picture that you have that the Word gives you of whose daddy, you, uh, whose daddy is yours and who you are in Christ and what's been done for you at Calvary and the victory that you need to walk in. See, most Christians are victims of this world. Listen, the Bible tells me Christians are supposed to be victorious in this world that there's a kingdom for us to live in most Christians are waiting to go to heaven and when they're supposed to be living oh our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth we're supposed to be living in kingdom principles in the here and now not waiting for the sweet by and by anyway alright let's go on it says in verse 18, Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Now see, we're not taught, this is not re bringing reference just of mankind in the planet earth back in the book of Genesis 1. It's talking about those group of people that were hidden. There, were, there, was, there was a group of people that were a mystery, that was hidden. As the book, of, the book of Ephesians says this, it says it this way, that was hidden from the creation of time. There was a, God had a will and a purpose, and it was called a mystery, and it was hidden from all of creation until Jesus died on the cross. And the difference was, just like when Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, it says, When it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb, to show me that was Christ in me. Christ in me. Christ wasn't about, God wasn't on the outside anymore. God was on the inside. Most people are still living, waiting, you know, for God to, you know, all this outside. Listen, it's God on, it says, a, the book of Colossians says, says Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
It's not Christ on the outside of you. It's Christ. See, the old covenant had an ark that carried the presence of God. The new covenant has an ark that carries the presence of God. You literally carry the manifest presence of God on the inside of you. Every covenant has a carrier. You are the carrier of the presence of God. But see, if you don't have that clear mental picture of who you are and whose you are, you'll never realize that you're carrying the manifest presence of God. You'll never realize that you are, that all creation has been waiting for you to show up. That's what it says in the book of Romans. It says all creation has been waiting for you to show up. And we don't even know that we've showed up. But see, that's why the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was going to leave and the Holy Spirit was going to come. Number one, the first and foremost important thing is to teach us things pertaining to the kingdom. Man, we need to call upon the great teacher, the Holy Ghost. Amen? Let's go ahead and read some more of this. Of, of verse 18, Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So then, what's He talking about? He's talking about us. That we be the first fruits, that we are a good and perfect gift. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me explain that last verse to you. It doesn't matter how mad you get. It's not going to produce what God wants to produce in you. It doesn't matter how mad my daddy got. It was never going to produce what God wanted to produce in me. It doesn't matter how mad you get with yourself. It's not going to produce what God wants to produce in you. It is the Word that produces what God wants to produce in you. Quick to hear. Hear what? The wrath and judgment or the judgment of the world or the criticalness, the, the anger. No, quick to hear. We're going we're gonna to find out what to hear in just a little bit. There are things that we're supposed to be listening to. There's confessions we need to be quiet on. Let me read it again. Verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I tell you what, there's some preachers that just need to understand that they can get all fired up, mad, angry, just go right ahead. It's never going to produce what God wants to produce. Therefore, see, this is what produces what God wants to produce. Therefore, since, and I'll just say it this way, since the wrath of man is not going to produce what God wants to produce, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, what's able to save your soul? The Bible just tells us right here. The implanted Word of God. The Word has to get in your heart. 
The book, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 13, talks about the parable of the soils. I call it, uh, or they, they, call it, they call it the parable of the sower. I call it the parable of the soils because it is really a, it's one sower, one seed with multiple soils. It talks about the path, the stony soil, the one that has thorns and the good ground. Does everybody understand that? And it goes on to explain real simply that the seed is the word. And that the ground, the soil, is your heart. That is the realm of your soul. I was raised Southern Baptist. I thank God for that all the time. Taught me some good things. But it also taught me some things that wasn't quite true. I learned that when I got saved, my soul didn't get saved. When I got saved, my nature was changed. That according to the Word of God, the soul is the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, and the will of a man. That your spirit is what was born again. Your spirit was what was made new. Your identity now is in Christ, and you're in this lineage of God. And that the Bible says the implanted Word is able to save your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will, to change the way you think. That salvation isn't a one-time experience. Salvation is a three-time experience. You were saved. You're being saved. And you're yet to really experience it. Your spirit was saved. Your soul's being saved. And your flesh will be saved at death. It's a process. It's a life. It's a journey. It's just not once and that's it. No, you get saved. Your nature's in, in, with God. You're, you're a king's kid. You're no, it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in you. You're more than a conqueror. You're a king's kid. You're a saint. And if you're, listen, the scripture says if you're a son, then you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. But what's the problem? The problem is our, our head's messed up. Our heart's not. Jesus came to heal the broken. He didn't come to change the stuff on the outside. He came to change the things on the Inside, knowing that once the inside's taken care of, the outside will follow. I tell you, this is so, so important because this all goes back to that vision, knowing that who you are in Christ, that I am a son. I'm just not a son, but I'm a good and perfect gift that was the will of God, as we just read. It says it was the, out of His will, it was the will of God that He bring forth good and perfect gifts on this planet. And for us to, to walk in that, we can't walk in sin. We have to what? We have to put on some restraints. Why? Because we want to. Not because you have to. There should be a want to. And uh, the people that have to do what they do, they're called slaves. We won't get into that. We don't have enough time. Verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word of God. See, the Word has to get in your heart on a continual basis to continually bring you change which is able to save your soul. I like what it says in Hebrews uh, 10.39. It says, We are not of those who draw back to destruction, but press on to the saving of our soul. That it is a continual process. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just, I want you to notice that the doing should come after the hearing. 
It's not about doing the Word. It's about having a hearing. But it's not like hearing the Word like you come here to church and hear it. It's about having a revelation. Remember what it says in Proverbs 29, which we just read earlier, that people without a revelation, without a vision, that word vision means a clear mental picture. If you don't have a revelation or a clear mental picture, see, you may have information about being a Christian. You may have information about what you're to do and not to do. But until you get a revelation, you won't be able to do it. Jesus said this to Peter. Peter, who do, who do men say that I am? And they made this list of people. And it was all because of information. This group, it was all fleshly information. These people, well, they say you're this, and they say you're this, and they say you're this. That's just information. See, a lot of Christians just have information. He looked at Peter and said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter's response made Jesus go, ah, Flesh and blood, the information out here didn't reveal that to you. But the Spirit of the living God did. Brought you revelation. He said, upon this, I'll build my church. God's going to build His church not on information. He's going to build His church on revelation. About things affecting your heart. He doesn't want just to affect your outside. He wants to touch your inside. He wants, to, he wants to dwell in your heart. That's why the scriptures say time and time again, guard your heart. Let the peace of God rule, govern your heart. The book of Proverbs chapter 4 says, out of your heart will flow the issues of life. Your life is totally dependent upon the condition of your heart. If you have ugly stuff in your heart, ugly stuff is going to come out of your heart and affect your life. If you, have good, if you have the word in your heart, the word will affect your life. The scripture says in Proverbs 4 that life will be long and healthy if the word's in your heart. Let's just read some more. Verse 21 again. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, what? Observing. In other words, the picture he has... I'm just going to leave it right there. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what... Everybody say kind. What kind of man? He forgets what kind of man. Why? Because he's lost the picture that he was looking in. He has forgotten but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Listen to this. What this is simply saying is that if a person looks into the perfect law of liberty... Now, I'm going to say this, and I know we're going to get some oohs and ahs, but you all just have to deal with it. 
The Ten Commandments is not the perfect law of liberty. You don't hear that too often in church. There is nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, but it is not the perfect law of liberty. Man, I tell you what, I think, that, I think we're becoming, uh, we're, we're being, uh, anybody in here getting revelation of what the Ten Commandments are and who they're for? I know we are. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, but they were never sent here for you. The reason the Ten Commandments even says it was to make all men guilty, not to bring them liberty in life. The, per, the reason the Ten Commandments came was not for, for a group of people to have good government. It was to make them guilty. To make all men guilty. So the only place that they, the only way they could go to heaven was through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it depends on what law that you're looking at. What are you focused on? Are you looking into the perfect law of liberty? Are you looking at something else? See, only, only through that having a clear mental picture of what Christ has done for you at Calvary in which He has set you free from the law, it's with that vision and that, that clear mental picture and keeping that in your, in your sight will you, you be able to bring on the restrictions that you need to have. A Christian life, liberty and grace and peace in Christ Jesus, it's not about you going out and living so grace may abound. Out there sinning and doing what you want to do. That's just stupid. Purity is stupid. Are you, say, are you saying that we should go out there and sin so grace may abound? Is that what they said to Paul? Yeah, that's what they said to Paul. And what's Paul's answer? No, he said it's stupid. Well, he, he said it different. He said, God forbid. But that's stupid to think that you can go out there and do what you want to do and think that you're going to be able to run the race set before you and, and be like your father wants you to be. It is our aim at this, in this family, as the last thing that we said in our confession, it is our aim in everything that we do to be well-pleasing to our father. I want to bring pleasure to my father. Listen, I know there... See, how many people... Uh, everybody in here have a father or have had a father? You know good and well there's some things that you could do in your life that would have made your father disappointed. Are you saying I don't know? <laughs> no, just working with it. You just got to work with me here. And you know there's some things you can do to make your dad, your father, pleased. But you're always a son. You're always a son. No matter what your children do, they're always yours. Sometimes they're pleasing, but they're always yours, and your love is always there. We make it our aim because we have a clear mental picture of the direction God wants us to go and the life He wants us to live. We bring on their strengths. It's real simple. It's like this. If you've always wanted to be married and being a husband and a wife and or a wife is what you've always wanted to go and that's a direction and that's something you're going to live for the rest of your life and that's your clear mental picture what do you do 
I want a husband. I want a wife. Or whatever your vision is. You know, when I looked at Joy, you know, I, before, I, before I saw Joy, I knew I was going to be married. I knew that was going to be part of my life. I had a clear mental picture of wanting to be married, so I started dating girls. <laughs> That's how it starts. It starts simple and kind of narrows down. So I had broad selection at first, started narrowing it down like a funnel. And the lot further, further down the race I got, the more narrow it got. And, the, and I, I started putting more parameters on my life. I started asking the right questions. Oh, are you saved? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Am I saved? That was the first problem. I had to get me right. But anyway, but, and so, but now, now once you get married, what happens if you lose that clear mental picture of being a husband and a wife or a husband or a wife? You lose that clear mental picture and you start having no restraints. Oops. That's why you've got to keep that clear mental picture of being a husband or a wife. You've got to say, yes, that is my clear mental picture, and I'm going to bring restraints on. I'm not going to say hi to that other blonde-haired lady. I'm just going to let her walk down the street. I'm not going to give my affirmation from other people than her. She's going to give me the affirmation I need as being a man. What happens if I, I get my affirmation from other ladies outside of her? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you get shot. I get shot because she knows where my guns are at. <laughs> see, it's real important in life to keep that clear mental picture to get where you want to get, to do what you need to do, to be who you are. You've got to stay focused on the race that's set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of that race. It's not about just getting saved and living life. It's about being born again and living in the kingdom, subduing and taking charge. Quit, quit being a victim and start being a victor. Start impacting the world instead of the world impacting you. We're here to make an impact. We're here to move, not to be moved. The scripture said, like the confession, this building is not a barn. You're not a bunch of sheep. You're ambassadors of a kingdom. And when you go from this place, you speak the oracles of God, fully equipped to give a testimony of His greatness in a dark and dying world. Sheep don't do that. Sheep just care about themselves. You realize sheep don't care how many are in the crowd as long as they got enough grass to eat themselves. Uh-oh, we're meddling now. All right, let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. Father, I thank you for the ministry of your spirit that was evident in this place. Father, I thank you for the gift that came forth from the body that brought edification. Father, may we be compelled. Be quick to hear your word. Quick to see your will 
Let me read one other verse, church. It says this in the book of James, chapter 2. If you want to know what to speak and what to do in life, verse 12 in chapter 2 says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. If you don't know what the law of liberty is, if you don't know what the perfect law of liberty is, I challenge you to dig in your word. Go home and study. Don't just wait for it to be given out to you. Ask the Holy Spirit, the great teacher, to show you what the perfect law of liberty is in his word. And then begin to study. I like what the verse says in in Timothy. It says, study to show yourself approved or a worker rightly dividing the word of truth who needeth not to be ashamed. Can you study so hard that you get God's approval? But that's the way people read that because they think what they do on the outside will get approval on the inside. I like to read the scripture this way. Study to show yourself you're approved that you're a worker and that you can rightly divide the word of truth and you don't need to be ashamed see when I read the word that's what I read I see God's approval his acceptance his love for me for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son I look at all the things that God's already done to reveal His goodness, not His wrath, not His judgment, but His goodness. Man, I fell in love. I fell in love with God. Got saved at eight years old. Baptist Church, Highland Heights, Wichita Falls, Texas. But I had my first experience around a campfire by myself at Lake Tinkiller in Oklahoma. Mm, that's what I remember. The first time God was so real. Didn't experience that sensation that that I don't know how to explain it. You know what I'm talking about. Until I was walking across the grinder in the Marine Corps boot camp. After three months of getting the civilian out, God just went, and I had a Holy Ghost experience right there. I said, if God can be with me in boot camp, (laughs) you know, that's not a godly place, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Those were the experiences that made me hunger, not for information, but for revelation. For God to be real, just not information, not intellect, but a heartfelt life with God that transcended this world's reality. Show me that I was a new man in Christ. Just not in verbiage but in reality 
lived it, breathed it. Mm. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. May we understand what it means to wait on you. Holy, anticipate, impartation that brings transformation. May we wait on you. May we wholly anticipate an impartation that will bring a transformation. May we be so excited about hearing your word. May we be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath understanding that it is your word it is hearing your word and seeing your vision that it calls us to bring on the restraints so we can do the things you called us to do according to your perfect law of liberty we thank you for this word we receive this word we hide it in our heart because what you say to us is special and we cherish it and all God's people said amen and amen